Good morning, Delaware. I hope you're doing well this morning, and I hope you're uh, going to enjoy today because tomorrow's not going to be anywhere near as much fun, apparently. No, no. If you have weekend plans, they should just involve hanging in and then on Sunday going to the Central Ohio Symphony. Exactly, because <laughs> I know somebody who's singing in that program. Uh, I get about two minutes on stage, and I get to <laughs> act like a crazy, um, lively what am I, an Italian or something like that, mm-hmm. singing La, La about Traviata, the, yeah. the joys of life, uh, and then we all we all will peril, <laughs> <laughs> perish. <laughs> well, I, I'm looking forward to the concert. I, I really enjoy the Central Ohio Symphony, and I'm delighted that the— The, the, the uh, Delaware Community the Chorus, yeah, chorus we get to join yes. for the, the one, a, a small group of us. Yeah, we'll, we'll come on stage. We'll meander on stage. It'll, we'll make it like a cocktail party. Ah. <laughs> Nothing like a cocktail party in the middle of a Sunday afternoon at the Craig Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amongst the, the symphony players. Exactly. So <laughs> so uh, our guest today is going to be Jeffrey Sackenheim. He is the Vice President of Architecture at SHP, which is the architecture firm that has designed our new library. And he's going to be on because we're going to be talking about a program that's coming up next Thursday to talk about our new our new library. So, uh, And we've got Gage Tellis behind the board. Good morning, Gage. Good morning. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, yes. So... Uh, we also have a special guest in the studio today, uh, Wynn Fowles, who just happened to be with her mom today because it's a teacher work day for the Delaware City Schools. So she's sitting over here playing on her own video games and just kind of watching her mom do the show. So not the first time Wynn's been here, but always a pleasure to see you, Wynn. Want to say hi? Want to say hi on the microphone? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe maybe not. (laughs) Well when when you see how easy this is, maybe you'll jump in later. (laughs) So so what have you been reading? Uh you've got a whole bunch of kids' books in front of you. I do, yeah. I I brought some books that Wynn and I have been reading together, and I thought that if she wanted to join in, she absolutely can. Um, one of the series that we've kind of started together that she's got a lot of interest in is Ada Twist Scientist. Ah. This is a book that is written by Andrew. Andrea Beatty, um, with illustrations by David Roberts, and it all began with Ada Twist Scientist, um, and it's it's very cute. She is a, a young girl of about second grade, and she um, the story goes that she didn't speak until she was three, um, and her parents, you know, basically... You know, they were like, well, she'll talk when she has something to say. Um, But she always seemed inquisitive. She always seemed like she was taking things in. Um, And then uh, just when she was on three, she went through a house on a fact-finding spree, and she climbed up a clock just as fast as she could. Her Her parents yelled, stop, as all good parents would. Ada's chin quivered, but she did not cry. She took a deep breath, and she simply asked, why and that began uh, Ada's journey of being a young scientist because it didn't just start uh, it didn't just stop with why it went into what and how and when and where and all of those important questions <laughs> that young scientists ask um, and so you learn about some of the trouble that that Ada gets into while she's discovering the answers to her questions why and of course her parents um, are also wondering why why is our house such a disaster? <laughs> uh, why is she ripping apart everything? Why is she trying to put the cat in the washing machine? <laughs> All of these different things. And so finally, uh, by the end of the the initial book, the Ada to a Scientist picture book, um, the parents kind of lean into their daughter's uh, questioning and they embrace her as a young scientist and then they they start giving her the tools to be the young scientist she is. So then Wynn and I, um, so we've, we read that one and then we picked up the chapter book 
which is Ada Twist, and The Perilous Pants, which is part of the Questionnaires series. And um, so that one goes a little bit deeper. And so, you know, it, either of them and both of them are good for young elementary readers to read on their own. But Wynn and I have been reading the, the chapter book together, Ada Twist and the Perilous Pants. I'm, so. Apparently she really likes it because she just the smile on her face and the, <laughs> the way she just took that book from your hands so she could just hold it herself is uh, very impressive. Yes. One of one of the mysteries, when do you want to talk about one of the mysteries that she's trying to solve in that book about the shoes? Do you remember? You got your own microphone if you yeah, want it. You can talk into the blue one. Yeah. Go ahead. One of them is she um, wants to know why um, her brother's shoes. Her brother's shoes are stinky. Right. <laughs> and and she. Her brother's stinky inherently. Right. Exactly. But his shoes are extra stinky, uh. and she plays around with temperature. Do you remember what she figures out with the difference between hot and cold? What, which is stinkier, things that are hot or things that are cold? Hot. Right. And we talk about, we learn about things like molecules, and the molecules, they move kind of faster, right, whenever things are hot. So that means the stink can spread a little bit more. <laughs> but when it's cold, the molecules stay really close together, so the stink kind of hangs out inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's cool. Actually, it's fun. It's fun for the fun for kids. You can use it to kind of create some of your own experiments, just like Ada. Um, and then you can also, um, I learn a lot, too. The illustrations are great, too. The, the illustrations are super cute. Um, it's up against, uh, like, a graphing paper. So um, Ada Twist always walks around with her notebook, and she always asks her different questions. Um, and, of course, this is part of a series. So if you have kids who love Ada, um, they will also love her group of friends, who include Iggy Peck Architect. <laughs> Rosie Revere, engineer, and I want to say there's another one. When is are there other friends in the series too? Oh, and it's it's a Netflix series, right? Is this one on Netflix? Yeah, so they've turned it into a Netflix series. We saw Ada Twist during the Macy's Day Parade as a big balloon this year. Ah, so she is she is making a splash across the country. That's great. So and who, uh, same author all the time way through, or is it a different? Author? I believe it is. Yeah, I believe it's Andrea Beatty the whole way the whole great. way through. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So I've been uh, reading a book called Colorization, 100 Years of Black Films in a White World, which was written by Will Haygood, who is a Columbus person. Yeah. Uh, but this is definitely not uh, a local author in the sense of just somebody who's only read in central Ohio. He's a uh, he's, uh, I'll talk about him in a moment. But uh, compared to what's available about Hollywood, generally there are precious few titles about the history of African-American cinema. Now, I'm not talking about biographies. There's lots of individual biographies of people like Sidney Poitier and Spike Lee and people like that. Um, but really, uh, Donald Bogle's trailblazing work, which I read in college half a century ago, was the standard. Uh, a few other authors have come in over the years. But uh, right now, the Central Library Consortium has fewer than two dozen books about African-American history uh, of cinema. Uh, and like I said, I'm not talking about biographies here, but just general histories. So Will Haygood's new book is a, a welcome addition to the canon. Haygood, is, like I said, is an Ohio-based author, but he's written books like The Butler, which was made into the, the movie, um, Tigerland, which was the story of the 1968-69 school year when Columbus East won uh, both the state baseball and basketball championships and helped kind of calm a city that was riven by strife and racial uh, uh, rioting and everything. Uh, and he's also written biographies of Sammy Davis Jr., Sugar Ray Robinson, and Adam Clayton Powell. 
So, colorization opens with the creation of that classic of both uh, cinema history and gross racism, Birth of a Nation. Mm. Having, mm-hmm. the, having this movie shown in the White House during Woodrow Wilson's term gave the movie a kind of cachet mm-hmm. that made it a real black blockbuster. Right. There hadn't been movies, at least that anybody knew about, shown in the White House before that. And the creator of the movie, D.W. Griffith, and the writer, Thomas Dixon, who was a friend of Wilson's, uh, made a big deal out of it. And it created a, a lot of buzz. Uh, and it also created a lot of uh, reaction to it. Uh, it's it's an amazing movie for its time. It created a lot of things that we, we take for granted in movies now, like uh, dissolves and close-ups and things like that. But it also contains some of the most despicable racism that was ever shown in an American film. Right. Uh, except maybe for Gone with the Wind, but that's another story entirely. Birth of a Nation also helped breathe fresh life into the NAACP and began the first stirrings of a national movement against Jim Crow. So it, it really had an amazing impact. Haygood moves on from that to talk about a filmmaker who's not very well remembered today, but who made dozens of low-budget films specifically for black audiences between 1919 and 1949, a gentleman named Oscar Michaud. Uh, Michaud wrote, directed, or produced uh, about four dozen films, uh, but he basically died broke in 1951. Uh, Hagen, of course, covers Gone with the Wind, uh, then the War Years, the 1950s. Then it's on to Sidney Poitier, the beginnings of uh, interracial relationships on film with uh, everything from the Defiant Ones to Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and then on to the exploitation films of the 1970s. He also brings the story up to date with uh, discussions of movies like Moonlight, Get Out, and the work of uh, Ava DuVernay. Uh, you, get you, Out. You reacted to read Get Out, yeah. Get Out. is the I, I, I'm still haunted by that movie. <laughs> so, it is fascinating. And that's kind of where he's going with this. is is And he frames it around the Oscar ceremonies a lot mm-hmm. because he talks about when Moonlight won the Academy Award for Best Picture but accidentally was given to La La Land to begin with. Mm. If you remember that little mm-hmm. bus. Mm-hmm. Uh, his prose is a pleasure to read. He's a really good writer, and he tells a story that really does need to be better known. Uh, cinema has always had a real problem casting African-American performers, uh, using only a tiny fraction of the talents of people like uh, Bill Robinson through Dorothy Dandridge, Canada Lee, and, yes, even Sidney Poitier. Um, but given movies like 12 Years a Slave and Black Panther, Emperor, uh, the works of Spike Lee, we can see some change, but there's still a lot of ground to cover. Anyway, uh, if you're interested in uh, anything about black history, black cinema history, or uh, about the movies in general, Colorization by Will Haygood is a great place to start. So we're going to take a break here. In a moment, we will be getting a call from Jeffrey Sackenheim, who will join us. We're going to take the break here, so please stay tuned. Jim, is that the best weather forecast you could give us? Really? Come on, it's March. We One know. to two inches of accumulation. Yeah, we know the meteorologists control the weather. That's It'll true, be 70 yes. degrees next week. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. So <laughs> Anyway, uh, our guest this, after, uh, this morning is Jeffrey Sackenheim, who is the Vice President of Architecture for SHP, which is the architecture firm that has designed our new... Uh, Liberty Branch Library. Good morning, Jeffrey. Hey, good morning, George. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. We The reason we have Jeffrey on this morning is because next Thursday we are going to do a half-hour program on the new library, kind of the state of the library construction program. It will be available on Zoom. We've got a few seats left if you're interested. Uh, go to uh, DelawareLibrary.org slash events and mm-hmm. you can sign up. Uh, and Jeffrey is the lead architect who designed our building, and i got to tell you, I have yet to have anybody look at those pictures or look at the building under yeah. construction and criticize it. People love your design. Thank you. That's great to hear. And it was a uh, big team effort uh, from all sides of the table. So 
you know, I have really, to, really rewarding. I have to say that's one of the things I've really enjoyed about this process is that you guys listen. You're architects. When when we had our uh, staff day about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. and you your your folks came in and listened to what our staff was talking about, and then the follow up interviews that we had with each department. You were mm-hmm. really listening, and plus the public ha- uh, hearings that we had that allowed people to give us ideas. I, I see how you've incorporated those everywhere. You want to talk a little bit about how some some of those features that you you've uh, designed into the building based on what we heard? Yes, certainly. Um, you know, I think that's one of the real hallmarks, maybe of of our practice or what we've been working to create uh, in, in our public work, which is the vast majority of our. Uh, work on a typical years in the public realm. And we know that that these buildings, whether it's a new public library, it's a new public school, or it's a park and rec type project, they're going to be, you know, in the centers of those communities for decades to come and generations to come. And a lot of times, uh, it, it could be the only time that that community gets to build a building of that significance. So they, they represent significant financial investments. It's really super critical for us to uh, you know, put our egos to the side and listen and listen very intently uh, and listen for recurring themes, listen for uh, wishes and desires, but also listen for things that might be considered pain points, uh, whether it's, you know, somebody who's just a library patron or it's somebody who's on staff and has bumped into a thing day after day after day in an mm-hmm. existing branch that, you know, makes their job more difficult or less efficient or whatever. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, the, the big lift for us is then throughout all that listening and community engagement and stakeholder engagement is to then be able to distill it to some design drivers, which then can inform and how the library gets planned, what it might look like, uh, how the spaces might relate from one to another. Uh, and if we do a good job, listening early, usually the end result is pretty successful. Mm-hmm. So that is super important to, to do a successful project. I have to say that the, uh, the the way you incorporated, like, for example, we heard from the public about wanting to have connections between indoor and outdoor spaces. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how you incorporated that into the building, I think, is really impressive. Totally. You know, that was, that was one of the things I think that turned out to be very fortuitous because other library systems that we've worked with since the pandemic started, and we started with you guys prior to that mm-hmm. by several months, uh, a lot of the systems that we're working with now have placed a renewed heightened significance on outdoor spaces and their connection to the library functions because they know people now have maybe a renewed appreciation for getting outside and having fresh air and you know having secure outdoor areas for kids to play in. So um, I, I think that the couple of spaces we have in the new branch there, um, both at grade, the courtyard in, in the middle of the building, the little uh, recessed covered porch on the second floor, I think those are all going to be really special places. I think they will be. I think they'll add a, a real kind of a, a unique attraction to this building. I'm, th- I'm seeing uh, in the future being able to do story times on that uh, little patio adjacent to the children's area. I, mm-hmm. I see doing, oh, yeah. maybe do uh, parking lot concerts where the the band can perform from the patio, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. I just see this this having great opportunities for that kind of a combination of a use of the space. It's yeah, it's planning for the the out the use of outdoor space rather than happening to have mm-hmm. outdoor space yeah, that totally. could be used. Right. Yes. So mm-hmm. it, I think totally. I think 
Yeah, when they're when they're able to be integrated from from day one, I mm-hmm. think they just unleash a ton of potential, and it's always interesting to see how you guys make the building your own. You know, <laughs> after you take ownership of it and start to use it and understand how certain spaces can adapt and be flexible, and that certainly applies to outdoor spaces too. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that the uh, we we made a decision early on of the original plan that had been laid out when it was approved by the city of Powell was for one huge building on one level mm-hmm. uh which mm-hmm. would have eaten into our ability to have parking and things like that and the board and you as and uh, and us as staff really decided that instead of going wide we would go high and that's how mm-hmm. we ended up with multi-levels uh, in, in the library and i think that's prevent or presented us with some really interesting opportunities to use this building too one of the one of the complaints we hear about orange uh, as beautiful a building as that is, is is that it's noisy. If you're having a, yeah. a children's event on one end of the building, you hear it at the other end of the building. Uh, I think yeah. we're going to have the opportunity not to have that issue in the new building uh, with having adult services on one floor and children's services on another. Yeah, and I, and I think you know one of the things that we've noticed, again, maybe a trend in, in library design over the last 10 years or so was being able to design spaces that allow for noisy activities and also quiet activities. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I think that we've achieved that in this new branch. And I think that we've uh, together created some really nice zones of that are going to allow certain activities to happen, whether they are quiet, maybe more individual, or they're, they're more focused on groups. And, but I don't think at any time in that branch, you feel disconnected because I do think it has a really nice uh, uh, collection of spaces and how they relate to one another. And that you sort of have a line of sight from, one end of the building to the other and up and down. And, and I think that, you know, the move that, that we all created to connect the main floor near the children's area with the lower level community meeting rooms with that big stair and really opening up that and, and having the connection again, with, even within that space to the internal courtyard, I, I think it all just feels really, really good. And, uh, and I'm going to run along never, too. So. Right. It, it'll never not be apparent that you're in a library. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's yeah. one of the, uh, you know, there's a there's a, um, a clash, if you will, between the desire for community space and the desire mm-hmm. for, um, you know, meeting rooms and things like that. And also the desire for materials mm-hmm. and what a traditional mm-hmm. library looks like and, and, you know, quote unquote should be. And mm-hmm. uh, with this design, I don't think anyone will ever doubt that they're in a library. Right. Um, you'll walk in yep. and books will immediately be there. You go to the second story, books will immediately be there. Um, so yeah, I think you blended that really nicely and, and a quick pitch too. If, if all of this that we're talking about sounds delightful, but you really want to see the pictures, we've got about 20 spaces left <laughs> for this yeah. uh, Thursday's, um, discussion and, uh, there will be, there will be pictures. Yes, there will. The, the artist renderings, the architect renderings of, yes. of the floors. We have the floor plans so that you can get a better sense of how this is all laid out. And, uh, I think, uh, Jeffrey is actually going to be on the call. So, uh, I am, yeah. If if, uh, if there's any questions I can't handle yes. uh, about the, the actual architecture, we will have a chat function and we will we may we'll try to address those as well. So, Jeffrey, I just want to thank you I, again. I, I I've been telling everybody who asks me about this project that the best part of this has been the interaction between uh, you and us and Marker, which is our construction manager for this project. We have a, a regular Friday call where all three groups are represented. We've been able to. Uh, communicate and cover a lot of issues that could have been, uh, you know, showstoppers, but we get done yeah. early and we get them 
uh, corrected in a way that we're all in on the discussion when we need to be. So mm -hmm. I really appreciate the involvement you've had, and uh, it's, it's been great working with you, and I look, I look forward to having you on the call on Thursday. Hey, likewise, you guys have been a real pleasure to work with, and I, you know, there are there are projects that that come across our opportunity every once in a while that, from the beginning, you feel like we we might be able to create something really special here, and it usually comes down to like how well, uh, and how seemingly simple it should be, but how well the team gels. Mm -hmm. And I think from day one, with everybody at the table, you know, on on the owner side, on the construction side, on the design side, wanting to create something really special, really unique, that's going to serve your community for a really long time. I think everybody bought in from day one, and it's not to say that it's always easy uh, or always clean. Construction can be messy, and we, you know, obviously are doing this in the middle of a pandemic and mm -hmm. rising construction costs and, you know, supply Delays. chain issues, all very real, yeah, very real pressures. Right. Um, but I think we've always just approached it from a team mentality across the board, and uh, it's been a really wonderful experience. So we appreciate the faith that you guys put in us to select us. And uh, it's, it's been a great project. So thank you. Thank you, Jeffrey. That's Jeffrey Sackenheim, who's the Vice President of Architecture for SHP. And uh, so what the thing we, we keep talking about is this Thursday at noon, the State of the Library, an update on the new Liberty Branch. It will be done on Zoom. We will be recording it. So if you, if you don't get in, uh, if, if uh, all the seats are gone or if you just can't make that time, it will be available on our website so you can take a look at the, the program afterwards. You're always welcome to send questions to me at either askus at delawarelibrary.org or Needham at delawarelibrary.org. Happy to answer questions for you as we go along. So, uh, again, thanks, Jeffrey. We've got a couple other things going on at the library this week that we don't want to miss uh, mentioning, like Rosa Parks and Friends at the Orange Library at 2 o'clock today, today yes. and at the Delaware Library at 6 o'clock today. That's the Bright Star Theater Company doing yeah. a, a program for us, live theater in, in the library. Yay. Yes, We're in so person. Excited. We got a board meeting on Tuesday at mm -hmm. 5 at, at Delaware. What else have we got coming up this week that you want to mention, Nicole? Um, an, a brand new program for us called Tween Art Explorers will take place on Monday, March 14th. Um, at 6 o'clock at the Orange Branch Library. Um, this is led by Miss Melissa, and you're going to explore, like, a different artist or style kind of every meeting. Um, and so this month they're talking about the art of relief sculptures, and it'll be how to uh, create your own. So tweens, if you're unsure, is kind of about the, the preteen 8 to 12, 9 to 11 kind of age group. So, um, And then also, same time, 6 to 8 on Monday, um, at the Delaware Main Library, we have one of our favorite people, Mindy McGinnis, coming. This is um, completely put on by Beanbag Books. We are simply the site for it, but we love partnering with our friends at Beanbag Books. And uh, Mindy is having a release party for The Last Laugh. Great. And also, I need to tell you about something that's coming up a week from Saturday. That is, we have our, finally, the Young Writers Workshop is yeah. back from uh, the Friends of the Library. Steve Harpster will be doing a program from 9.30 to 11.30 for young writers. That one's on a wait list right now. Mm -hmm. But also we're adding the Middle School Writers Workshop. That's for slightly older kids, and they're going to be working on creating a graphic novel right. uh, under the same thing. You'll do the novel in the broom, then we will take it, we will get it to... Um, professionally bound right. and then we'll add it to the library collection and you'll get a copy back yes and so if there's you still need a few extras. seats left for that one uh, mm -hmm. i think there were 10 yesterday when i checked the wait list or checked the registration so uh wait list for the young writers and then uh but the, still available for the middle school writers workshop but again we want to thank the friends of the library and steve harpster for that that program so uh if you're interested in that it's available off of our events page or off the friends of the library page which is delawarelibraryfriends.org that's right so 
Oh, I don't know if Jeffrey's still on the phone, but I wanted to thank him again for being <laughs> with us. Uh, I wanted to thank our studio audience today, uh, Wynn Fowles. Thank you for being here, Wynn. <laughs> and, uh, of course, Gage, always great to have you behind the board. And, Nicole, we will see you in the stacks. Always a pleasure.